Welcome to the Hypecast, guys. We have so many new listeners to the Hypecast in the last couple of weeks, really. So welcome to everyone who's listening for the first time and welcome back to our Hypecast family. Really appreciate you guys tuning in and hope that you've been enjoying the episodes as much as we have. Guys, today we're talking to a serial entrepreneur We are talking to someone who built one of the fastest growing fitness franchises in the country, exploding to 35 locations within the first six months of operation, which is outrageous. He now is the co-owner of Klaxon, which is a digital growth agency who we do a lot of work with uh, and refer a lot of work with. um, They also won 2018 best social media agency of the year so the guys are doing great things over there and brett is also a go-to business expert when it comes to fast and effective business growth he's an author he's just an all things businessman so we talked all about it in today's episode and there's heaps of value in there heaps of take home take home messages so really hope you guys enjoy it As always, the podcast is brought to you by Combat, that's C-M-B-T, that's uh, Cell and My sports nutrition brand dedicated solely for combat athletes. So, you know, if you're a combat athlete or if you're just someone looking to get into health and fitness and are looking for some, you know, uh, supplementation to assist in your performance, your recovery, look no further. We've got you covered and we've also just created our own discount code, use HYPECAST at www.cmbt.com.au for 20% off your entire order. And um, thanks for supporting the Hypecast. Thanks for supporting Combat and everything else we do, guys. And we really hope you enjoy this episode. Boys, here we are. It's the Hypecast. And we got Brett Campbell on the Hypecast. What's up, brother? Bro, I'm so uh, excited to be here. All the hype, all the hype around the cast. I'm looking forward to to getting stuck in, having a chat with you lads. I will say you've been the most persistent person asked to be on this Hypecast. (laughs) It's it's the hype, bro. It's (laughs) all about the hype. Mate, I'm the most persistent person in anything in life. That's true. That is if you want something, you got to make it happen, right? 100%. That is true. And after seeing your guys set up, um, I, I would, would attain to that, that you guys have already got a sick podcast set up that's about to drop. So looking forward to it. Looking yeah, forward man. to this chat and then hopefully chatting on yours. And If yeah. you guys are as persistent as I am, you might be able to get on my show. What do you reckon? <laughs> maybe, Thanks, bro. I'll have to see <laughs> the persistency, though. Yeah. <laughs> We're down. Lo- love it, man. So man, tell us, how does a... How does a young man from New Zealand end up on the Gold Coast and start trying to build build an empire. Give us a bit of a backstory into how it all comes about. Yeah, well, firstly, um, I'll clear up one little myth. I was actually born in Australia. Um, yeah. So I was born in Australia in Sydney. And basically my only memory of being in Australia here was when I was four years old. Uh, we lived in a caravan park in Gosford. Mm. And um, I'd gotten home from school I started school early, that's one advantage. Um, got home from school and I was playing outside the caravan and I heard my name being yelled out. I was like, Brett, Brett, Brett. And I had no idea what it was. I was like, oh shit, what have I done? Because I was a bit of a rascal kid, I knew that. And um, walked up into the caravan, put my head through the door and 
my dad was standing there and he had my mum and he was going to throw her through the caravan window. And she goes, run across the road and get some help, run across the road and get some help. So I ran out of the caravan, ran across the road to get some help, and that's all I remember. So from there, my mum, my sister and I jumped on an aeroplane to move to New Zealand to her family. Um, so grew up in a little town called Huntley. Um, if you blink, you miss it. <laughs> to, to give context to, the, to what Huntley was, was on one side of the street, the mongrel mob had their... Um, their community meetup hall, let's call it. Two streets back from us was the Black Power. <laughs> a, a guy who lived behind us, like literally we're talking, it was housing commission, but, you know, it was, it was residential. Behind us, there was a guy who had two horses in his backyard, like fucking actual real horses in his backyard <laughs> in a residential. Imagine that right now. You're driving around, you just see two horses in the back of someone. Yeah. And the horse would walk around and you know, leave shit on the, the footpath. And so that's sort of a bit of a context of what I grew up in, very humble beginnings. From a very early age, though, I knew that I was destined for something. You know, like I feel that every entrepreneur that I talk to and every person who has a desire to, for something on this planet, which I think everyone does have it, it's just are you able to tap into that or not? I was able to tap into that from a very early age. So I wasn't, I was, I was what you'd call a, you know, maybe a B-plus student. Mm-hmm. So I was I was pretty good. I'd, I'd pass without doing any study. You know, all my friends and my sister hated it because I didn't have to study. I'd just turn up and fluke the exam, let's call it. Or maybe I just retained enough information. But I was distractive at school, so I was the talkative kid. I was the one who would always joke around with the mates, and which ended up getting me kicked out of high school. So I fell into an apprenticeship, um, which when I say fell into, was the only thing going in our town. So I was an um, apprentice cabinet maker. And uh, from day one, I knew that that's not what I was supposed to do. I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing? You know, because at high school, I was good at three things, right? I was good at woodwork, I was good at PE, and I was good at lunch. I wasn't going to get paid to eat. PE in New Zealand was like, well, what's, you know, how do, how do you make a living out of that? So I was like, well, I know how to lave timber on a, on a bloody lathe, so let's become a cabinet maker. Um, but from day one, you know, I learned something that has and sort of ties back into your your concept of how persistent I am. From day one, I said to my boss, when he was walking me around the factory, I said, who's the best worker in here? Who's the best? And he goes, oh, that's an easy one. It's Baz. And um, I said, where's Baz? And he goes, oh, Baz is down the back corner. I said, cool, I'm going to go and learn from Baz. And he goes, no, you probably shouldn't, because Baz doesn't like apprentices. And I was like, ah. I said, oh, who's second best? And he goes, oh, Ty over there. And I said, okay. He goes, go and learn from Ty. And uh, long story short, I um, was so persistent. I went up to Baz, disregarding my boss's um, you know, thoughts. I was like, hey, Baz, my name's Brett. I'm new here, you know, like the new kid at school. I'm new here. I just wanted to see if you need anything from me or you want me to help or you just let me know. Um, one thing I assured, though, was Baz had the cleanest workstation out of everyone. Right, so when you start off as an apprentice, you're the glorified uh, cleaner, you know, broomstick technician. And uh, I made it a, a, a point that I would make sure I would do anything and everything for Baz because if Baz is the best, then Baz has got the goods to learn from. Mm-hmm. So I'd ask Baz consistently, hey, Baz, have you got any drawers for me to make? Because that's what the, f- the first thing you did as an apprentice, you'd make drawers, you know, so kitchens. So you'd make the box, mm-hmm. right? so you'd screw a box together. 
So I'd ask him day after day after day. He's like, fucking hell, boy. He goes, just piss off and leave me alone. I, I told you I don't have anything for you to make. Until one day, um, after probably about 30 times hitting him up, he's like, boy, whistled me over like I'm a bloody dog. <laughs> I come running, <laughs> you know, running over going, yeah, yeah, what, you, what can I do for you? And he's like, here's, here's some drawers. Go and make them. Don't fuck them up. So I took the trolley. I, um, I'm over at my workbench and I'm making these drawers and I put them there, what I thought was a good job, wheel them back over to Baz, picks it up, looks at the corners of their squares, everything aligned, and he looked at it and he goes, hmm, it's actually a pretty good job. He goes, how would you know how to do that? I said, ah, yeah, I've been practicing. And he goes, oh, here's another trolley, go and build, start building these cabinets. And then I'm there building cabinets and the boss comes out and he looks at me at my own workbench, an apprentice who'd only been there for like six months, where you're never really on the tools to at least 12 months. I'm building cabinets, and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? I said, oh, Baz got me to build his cabinets, right? And um, he was like, what the? And he went over to Baz, had a conversation. And then he came back, and he goes, how do, you, how do you know how to do it? Like, where have you been practicing? So what I'd do was every time in between cleaning up workstations... I'd be in the scrap bin with a battery drill that I'd had to take from someone because I didn't have my own tools in. I was in the scrap bin screwing pieces of timber together, lining them up, tapping it to make sure I got it right. You know, I was preparing for game day, so I was ready when that opportunity came. I wasn't going to fuck it up. So I could keep talking forever if you, oh, if man, you can't we're, tell we're that. So. Yeah, man, we're drawn in. I like where this is going. Hey, I was just listening to perfectionism, how that how that came about how old were you like when you were doing that apprenticeship 16 16 yeah how long did you do that for did you do the full apprenticeship <laughs> well technically no this sort of feeds back into the the same same thing so i was probably two and a half years into it yeah and i was building kitchens faster and better than everyone in their factory except for baz and i found something wrong with that i was like <laughs> i'm looking at my apprentice sheet where it's like you do 2,000 hours you get this pay rise and you get another 50 cents here and you get this and I'm looking at my future income earnings I'm going holy fuck this you know I was earning like seven bucks an hour at the time and I was building kitchens which was unheard of because no one had had done that yet in in that um in the 30 year history of the, of the factory mm. and I was like mm. I went into the office talked to the boss I said oh look why um I want a pay rise because I'm building kitchens faster and better than this person, this person. And they knew that too. Yeah. Um, and they're going, this is not how it works. Yep. Get the fuck out of here and going, you know, it's the, the, the old school hard knock life attitude that they give you. You know, it's like, get the fuck out of here, blah, blah, blah. And I actually, I actually walked out crying. So I was like, oh my God, my value and my worth hasn't been seen. Mm-hmm. You know, like... Am I the only one here who thinks that I'm doing an amazing job? Like, they didn't come out and pat you on the back and go, oh, good on you, mate. You're doing really good. You know, there was, there was no personal empowerment from them. Um, and then about two hours later, they came out and they said, here's what we want to do. Um, we want to give you a pay rise. We're going to give you $3 extra an hour. And for, for someone, you know, I was like 17 and a half at the time, mate, close to 18, to get that pay rise, you know, all I thought was, you another 150 bucks a week i was like that'll be way better i go out to town i can buy more drinks you know yeah. didn't really have too much plans and um they gave me that but then i as soon as they accepted it, i felt empty i was like oh this has got nothing to do with the money mm-hmm. 
you know, like that. It, it, I thought it had to do with the money, but it hadn't had to do with the money. It was, it was about my worth and what I knew I was capable of. And uh, about three or four months later, they, they came to me and called me into the office and we had a big discussion and they wanted to, they wanted me to head up a new division within the business. And keep in mind, I was literally only just past halfway through of an apprenticeship, right? And there'd been guys who had been there for years and years. And uh, I said, okay, well, what does that look like? And they ended up signing me off of my apprenticeship. So a four-year apprenticeship, I got signed off in three years, headed up a new division, had apprentices under me. And that lasted for probably, let's call it 18 months until once again, this feeling with inside of me was like, Brett, you're doing the, you're not doing the thing that you should be doing. But I had no idea what it was either. I was like running around like a headless chook because was, I wasn't brought up around any entrepreneurship. You know, like the, I guess you'd say the entrepreneurship that I had to learn from was from my bosses. And they weren't very entrepreneurial. They just sort of inherited a business that they did their apprenticeship through yeah. and they're now running it. The like best that they could grew through the system. Correct. Yeah, yeah. And that was like, shit. Is that where I'm heading? Am I? Am I going to be the? And then I had this moment where I'm like, <clears throat> if I own this whole factory and this entire business, would I still be happy? Would it make me happy? And the reality was no. no. So I was like, what the fuck am I doing here? Mm. So I went into the office and I um said to the boss, I'm leaving. And I thought, well, what am I going to do? told you i was good at woodwork i was good at food and i was good at pe again probably wasn't going to get paid to to eat right so i thought well let's go and do a degree at university so i went to university for a year went to go and um go and learn i was a bachelor of sport and leisure and went to uni for the first year i thought this is the biggest waste of time in my entire life and uh at the end of university for the first year jumped on a plane to australia to to the gold coast to spend new year's with a mate while i was here i was googling and i was like how to become a personal trainer found out there was an online course that i could do um signed up to the online course met a guy here in the gold coast who was looking for a roommate just how you how the universe collided i was like oh hold on a minute things were happening real fast Anyway, at the end of Christmas, I um, went back home for two years, cancelled uni, rented out my property that I built, and moved to the Gold Coast with my golf clubs and a and a suitcase. Did a personal training course. I worked at Melba's nightclub during the during the night, um, and during the day I was studying the personal training course. One good thing about uni was everything we learned in that in that first year was what was in this online course. So I smashed out the online course, and I was. Or I was working as a personal trainer um, at one of the gyms here in the Gold Coast before my mates even went back to university mm-hmm. for the second year. Yeah, cool. Man, all comes about super, super quick. One thing you did say that I think um, it's good to touch on is where you refer to, obviously, some entrepreneurs or business owners can come through a system um, and come into a business that they've just been there for so long, they're part of the furniture and they know more than anyone in the place and they inherit that business and can go on to make that business extremely successful. Other people like startups, like things completely from scratch, probably like yourself and wanting to create your own path. Tell us from someone that's obviously been around both. 
do you notice many differentiations between the two or someone that will spark something from nothing or someone that is super structured, regimental, falls into a system and it's almost, I guess, like the difference between a CEO or a This is exactly person. the question I was going to ask. Yeah, yeah, a person that can run stuff because people often hit me up and I often say to them very quickly, man, I'm not really the best business owner. I, I can have great ideas and great thoughts and concepts and I can find a lot of the right people around me to bring those concepts to life. Um, but I would rather get someone else in to run mm. those businesses who can do a better job than me at running the business mm-hmm. than what can, I can. Can I jump in? Because um, we actually interviewed your business partner and a good friend of ours, True. Dan Willis. Yeah. Um, Who's that? Oh, that guy. Who? Dan. Shout out Dan, he'll be listening. Yeah, man. Just to see if his name got dropped <laughs> three times already, Dan. Of course we would. There it is. Um, it was one of, one of the first podcasts. And yeah. one of the things he said when I brought up entrepreneurship is that um, we were talking about the difference between entrepreneurship and, and being a business owner, which obviously Sel's referring to. And it was exactly where my head was going to. And he considered himself more of a business owner rather than an entrepreneur and obviously referring to exactly what Cell was in terms of an entrepreneur being someone who is good at starting things up. Mm. But a business owner is someone who has a bit more structure and obviously sits within a business to help it grow. Um, He, you know, eloquently sort of like described what he thought a business owner was. Mm. And um, I've actually taken that myself um, into sort of further conversations in other podcasts and things like that. I'd love to know what you perceive yourself as mm. an entrepreneur or a business owner or for, yeah and the caveat to that he said he was more of the business owner sure. and you were more of the entrepreneur sure when, well when first of all don't listen to a word daniel willis has to say that's all <laughs> i'm gonna say no i'm kidding um love the guy so i, I don't think i'm any of those mm-hmm. i think there is a, a a different classification and i call it a serial entrepreneur and it's actually in the dictionary and i've looked it up because <laughs> I think if we, if we break it down, entrepreneurship is the, the craze of the last, let's call it five years. It's almost people feel they're entrepreneurs when they're actually not entrepreneurs. You know, I think entrepreneurs are people who are who are the creators, who are out there looking. I mean, you guys fit the entrepreneurial mold of, cool, we're going to do combat. Let's do hype. Let's do this. Let's bring out this new product. Let's have this. That's almost borderline serial entrepreneur where, but, but the thing is, with the serial entrepreneur is you start it, you get it to a point where it's moving and operating, go start something else. M- moving, operating, go start something else. I probably have a two-year window I've noticed over the last 12 years of being in business where I start to get real itchy feet, where I'm like, I need to do something. I need to start a new business or I need a new product or service or I need something. Um so I definitely, because I've done both and I was talking to you off, off podcast earlier, Miles, it was, you know, I've done it where I've been the guy, I've been the guy who created the idea, I'm the implementer, you know, which I think to Dan's point is you can you can be the business owner because there's people out there who are just investors who own businesses and have an entire team. So you go and buy Guzman Gomez, mm-hmm. but you've got no desire to run it, mm-hmm. right? That's a business owner. Yeah. There's a business owner implementer where they're actually in the operationally, you know, day to day. Um, and then you've got the entrepreneur who is, is the visionary who sees the bigger, the craziest, boldest place you could take the business that you have. 
you know so like if i'm looking at combat for example automatically in my mind i'm going how do we franchise this thing how do we make it go global how do we like how do we have everything Mm -hmm. right where a business owner implementer is is concerned about let's let's focus in on this one Mm -hmm. let's get this going let's get this moving but the power is being able to have the two synergies when they meet yeah you know I i think um a lot of people get trapped into, you know, when we talk about that you inherit the business or you inherit the next role within your company, which I think is the kryptonite to so many people is they get the pay rise or they get the, the um, you know, the new role or you're now going to be a general manager of the business and they don't really want it, but they take it as, oh, cool, well, it's the next step for my career. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've seen so many people where they've inherited either a family business or they're in a family business and they feel they have to be there because of the family. And it's like, fuck, step out for a minute and go, what do you really want to do? Mm-hmm. Like, if I gave you a million dollars right now, what would you do? Mm-hmm. But you had to put it into our business or an idea. Mm-hmm. What's the idea? You know, and then if I gave you $5 million, what's the idea? Because we've got to expand the way we think, mm-hmm. right? And one thing I've always had a unique ability around is to be able to not put limits on my thinking, mm-hmm. which has helped me, you know, immensely, but it can also sometimes be a little bit of a, hold on, Brett, if I can come back to reality for a minute, you know, don't spend all day in the clouds. Yep. I figure if I can spend 30% of my time in the clouds, I'm in a good place. That's awesome. Yeah, it's a good rule. And do you get that balance? Um, obviously, because very similar, we, we often have desires to just go, this isn't being done. Someone should do it. Why not us? Mm. Like that's um, that's this kind of the mindset that comes across, which is sometimes a dangerous mindset because it's not being done. There may be a reason it's not being done. It doesn't mean you have to do it, um, and you're only one person or two people trying to do this. Do you think someone like yourself gets balance from influential people around you? Maybe Dan as a business partner. Maybe Mrs. Maybe other people that bring that into line or do you think that you've just learnt over a period of time to rein yourself in when you start going too far with something yeah um love this question it's um i'm gonna unpack it a little bit so my first endeavor you know when i said i came into australia to be a personal trainer i knew i just didn't want to be a personal trainer i was like how do i own the gym right <laughs> that's that's where my mind is like when i walked in that factory how do i own this whether i'm going to or not I think if we can go into it with that mindset, it opens you up to every conversation and every probability that could happen throughout it, mm-hmm. right? If you go in very narrow-minded, you're only going to be open to the conversations that were, in, were inside that strip, let's call it, within inside the lane. You know, people say, stay within your lane. I'm like, cool, but how do we fucking own the whole pool? Mm-hmm. First of all, I want to know what's going on in the pool just so I've got a bit of an idea because I could be missing out on something in lane six, which is exactly what i know i need to be doing or should be doing Mm -hmm. so when i was a personal trainer i knew from day one that i actually wanted to like at the core of it i feel i'm a teacher right a teacher in the sense that i want to teach and share with others Mm -hmm. and so when i started as a personal trainer i'll be a business coach as well just teach personal trainers Mm -hmm. and at the time i hired a coach cost me 300 dollars a week I was earning about $500 a week at PT. Didn't even have enough to pay my rent. But I was like, I'll figure it out, right? Which is 
another motto that I live with is I'll figure it out. No matter what, I'll figure it out. It doesn't bother me. Then it got to a point where I was like, oh. I built the fitness business. I had trainers working for me with inside the gym. I was like, just to prove to the coach that I was good enough to be a coach. Mm-hmm. Right, that was the only reason I did it. And then I uncovered the online world. You know, I was walking outside to train a client one day and I walked past my roommate's computer and there was a PDF document and it was a workout program. It's a picture of a guy standing and, and right next to it was a guy squatting. I was like, oh, fuck, that's a squat. How, whoa, whoa, workout program online? So yeah, I just paid 37 bucks for it. And that was a defining moment where it just totally blew up my, what I thought to be true. I was like, that's it. He's actually asleep, right? This whole make money while you sleep thing. I was like, that is a true indicator. I've just seen it. You know, it's like when I was little, my mum said, don't touch electric fence. I'm like, why? Touch electric fence. Fuck, now I know why. Mm -hmm. It's not until you feel it or see something, you know, that, that you know to be true that you can no longer ignore it. Mm-hmm. That's why I love self-development and personal development and these type of conversations because it could be something that one of us says here that's like, fuck, mm-hmm. now I can't ignore that. Yep. Right, it's been said. Um, so that led on to me building the fastest growing fitness franchise in Australia at its time. What was the franchise? It's called so- Fit Chick Transformations. Yes, yeah, so it was female only. Um, and that sort of grew out of just becoming really good at online marketing. Mm-hmm. You know, generated hundreds of thousands of leads around the world. And we had girls in Australia going, when are you going to train us? When are you going to train us? Because we had our own fitness location at the time. And um, I was like, oh, we just want to do online products. And this was at the height when it really started to get quite hypey. So we're, we're the, I would say, probably the first since, but there was a couple others at the time. We were sort of first to market in this space. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it blew up really quickly, which enabled us to, to create the franchise. You know, um, then we moved into a fitness college where we were like, well, how do we have more locations? Well, there's heaps of people in our community who want to be personal trainers. Let's just certify them. Um, so again, that whole serial entrepreneur thing going, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's run overseas retreats. Bang. Let's start our own supplement range. Bang. Let's import clothing. Bang. Like we did everything. And um, the, the thing with that is, and, and the big lesson I learned was just because I could didn't mean I should, mm-hmm. right? And for someone like myself to step back and go, you know, I've just, I've just been taking every opportunity available and there's always going to be opportunities in front of us. What caused that? Because uh, we, me and Miles have that similar type of trait. What, mm. what caused it for me was like literally like driving home, nearly crashing and just going... I have that many balls in the air and getting home to my family and just being cooked and then just thinking to myself, this doesn't make sense that I'm sacrificing my myself and my family's time effectively to just keep on creating things that may it didn't need to happen. It was more I was bringing it on myself rather than putting that output to people that needed me. And that was like just a... Honestly, that only happened at the end of last year. Up until that point, I probably would have just kept doing everything and anything. And then I like called up Miles and just said, man, I want to condense everything into... I won't say it on here because it was a private convo, but I want to condense everything into this smaller thing that we can build our communities mm. within these three type of companies. I don't want any more. I don't want any less. But 
I want to put the brakes on continuing to do all these things. Was there something that caused that for you? Yeah, there, there was probably a couple of big things. Um, I feel like that's just business experience. And well, it is. how much energy you can give to something. And knowing how many times you can fall over, yeah. right? Um, but for me, nev- never once did I ever feel like I was failing or never once did I feel like this thing was never going to work. Like yeah. I always had 100% belief in anything that I do, I've, I've got 100% belief in. For me, there was a p- critical moment and it was... Um, so when I moved to Australia, um, one of my best friends, so this is over 12 years ago now, when I moved to Australia, one of my best friends got diagnosed with breast cancer and I was sort of, I left when it happened and I didn't get back home as much as I would have liked and I only really was around it once, so I flew back once to go to chemo with her and um, she got through that and that was that was all good and then a few years later... I get a phone call and this was in the height of us building the franchise. So to give context, man, like I, I thought one day, let's build a franchise. Literally the very next day I was marketing it. <laughs> I hadn't even built it. I was like, I'm marketing it to see if there's interest. 176 business owners applied to own a franchise. So I was like, this idea's going off. So we, we're fully involved in that. And I'm like, oh, it's almost you know christmas time in the next few months let's um let's build a new product as well an online product so this is that whole concept of biting off more than you could chew i was getting up at 3 30 a.m driving to our office at burley town i'd be working on the online product program from you know 4 a.m till 9 a.m till the team got in then i'd do 9 a.m till 5 p.m working on the franchise and then from 5 p.m till as long as i could keep my eyes open i was working on the product because I always felt, man, like, and I and I was obviously doing it to myself because I loved it. I loved the the, the thrill of because I'm a I'm a natural born problem solver. Yeah. So I see everything I do as solving a problem. This podcast here is solving a problem. Mm-hmm. I don't need to know what the problem is, but I know I'm solving one, mm-hmm. right? Which is a real sort of inception way of thinking. It's it's a few levels deep. It'll take us about twenty minutes to break that down by what I really mean there. But I was loving the chase and. Throughout that, I got a call, um, and my friend, she said um, she ended up getting brain cancer. I was like, oh, shit. So um, what happened was I um, she was going through chemo, going through all, all the treatment, and she was coming out the other end again, good. And I called up and said to um, said to my mate, his or my friend, her husband, um, I'm going to come over. I want to spend a few days with you guys um, when she's out of hospital when should I come over? And he's like, oh, whenever you want. And I'm like, oh, I could do it in a couple of weeks. And I was like, yep, cool, let's do that. Hopped off and I was going to book my flight, hopped on the computer, booking my flight, went to literally check out to, to press pay and this overwhelming feeling came over me. I was like, oh, shit, I shouldn't go. I was like, got on the phone, rang him back up. I said, hey, man, I'm not coming over in a couple of weeks. I'm going to come over on Friday. And this was like literally, um, no, I said, I'm going to come over on Monday. And this was Friday. I was on the phone to him. He goes, oh, shit, you don't have to come over that soon. I said, nah, it's all right. I'll, I just feel like coming over. I, I need a couple of weeks off as well. So I was pretty exhausted. Get there on Monday. I get there late in New Zealand. Um, 
give him a call and he's like yep she's home it's all good come and see her tomorrow so 9am tomorrow get dropped off oh 9am the next day get dropped off in a taxi he's walking down the driveway to greet me he goes oh, i'll just give you a bit of a heads up she had a pretty bad night last night struggling to sleep so she's asleep right now i was like yeah that's cool you know i've got a whole week here i'm gonna spend some time with you guys to give context they've got a, a very small timber three-bedroom home like a cottage and he goes the hospital bed that she still had to be on because she needed to be elevated due to the chemo and stuff um couldn't fit down the hallway so it was in the lounge so i walk in the house the room's probably maybe twice as big as this like literally it's not big at all hospital bed in one corner and i walk over sit down next to her hold her hand freezing hand i was like whoa it's like an icy pop and then she opens her eyes and this is the only time I've ever experienced this, but a connection between someone where it feels like you've had a 20-minute dialogue and you haven't even spoken a word. Mm-hmm. And um, she said to me, she goes, Brett, thank you so much for coming. Because it was a surprise that she didn't know. And then she just shut her eyes. And three hours later, she passed away in that hosp- in that bed in her lounge. And I was sitting there going, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Oh, what has just happened? And... I went into problem-solving mode. I was like, okay, her mother was hysterical, as you would imagine. My best friend just lost his wife. I'm trying to console him. I'm like, all right, I need to let all the other friends know. I need to let every, you know, need to start organizing some stuff. Yeah, I just sort of took on took on that role. And it wasn't until I was sitting in the airplane on the way home seven days later. And if I broke down that story, and I'll share with you, you guys in another time, because there's at least six points in this whole thing that I was like, that is the universe. Like, there's no way I can ignore that. Mm-hmm. Right back to my previous point. Even to the point where a, a, a Maldi um, funeral goes for a few days, you know, um, from when I book my tickets to my return ticket, like it, it almost is as if I planned for that. Yeah. It was so surreal. Um, and even to the point where I was like, packing my bag to come over i was like oh we're not going to go clubbing i don't want to do any of that but i'll bring a black dress shirt mm-hmm. you know and i'm like I, I very rarely wear black dress shirts and it was like that was the shirt that i wore it was just weird um so i'm sitting on the plane on the way home and i just burst out in tears i was just like, oh, just overwhelming feeling and it was this because while i was over there everyone was like man brett you're doing so well you're killing it you know you you're doing amazing. We're seeing what you're doing online. You're helping heaps of people. I'm like, yeah, it's great. It's great. But on the way home, I was sitting there going, fuck, is this even what I want to do? Like, because I was so quick to just build something, I didn't take the time to sit there. You know, it took me to get 35 locations deep signed up for me to go, whoa, I actually, I don't even want to build a franchise. What am I doing? And it helped me uncover what I really wanted to do, which was I then started a business called Unleash Your Greatness, mm-hmm. which is all about living to your full potential and, and it's all around that self-development, the, the personal development, the personal improvement, et cetera, field. And, you know, so I started that, wrote a book um, around that and started running overseas retreats and so on and so forth. And it got to a point where when you're running a business called Unleash Your Greatness, there is no better mirror every single day when you're trying to preach other people to live to their full potential. You know if you're not. You know if you're slacking. You know if you're not unleashing your greatness. Mm-hmm. I was unleashing my great. 
I was like, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm probably doing doing a lot more than a lot of people, but that didn't. That was what's the point of that? It's like me winning first first place in the swimming contest at high school for a 25 meter freestyle. I was like, the fuck matters. Like, what's that got to do with it? You know, how far can you take it? And for me, it was. I felt like I was building a, a business because I could, not because I should. Mm-hmm. Um, and then leads into, you know, what we're doing now. You, you've talked about Daniel, my business partner, now with Claxon, which was formerly Campbell Media Group. I took a transition through the, through the self-development and so on and so forth because if you look at the journey, personal training, you actually realize that people don't need the physical training. They need the mental training. Business coaching. People don't need the tactics. You don't need the best Facebook competition process or the the best advertisement, what campaigns to use, the best video. You need none of that. You need the mental capacity. You need the to understand why you're actually doing this thing, why you're on this journey, what's getting you up every single day, what gets you through those tough moments. And I was doing a lot of business coaching and a lot of my clients were coming to me going, oh man, I just can't get the social media or this advertising thing down. And I'm like, well... I can only show you how to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can lead a horse to water, you can jump on their neck, but you still can't make them drink it, right? Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where they're like, can you just do it for me? I was like, no, 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 I can't. And it went on for about 18 months. Till it got to a point where I'm like, Brett, you're not unleashing your greatness. You know that you can actually, you can make a massive difference here and help a lot of businesses. And I thought at the time, and this, this might help you guys with, with a couple of things, obviously you get a lot of balls on at the moment. I felt at the time that I had to do just one thing because I was like, oh, man, I've been doing all these different things. I have to now just focus on this Unleash Your Greatness. And I'd put this false story in my head that I should only be doing that and that if I was to do this, then I'm taking away from what I should be doing. And there was a real big um, battle internal dialogue that I went through. And it was a conversation with a friend, and he said to me, he goes, um, and this was a, a friend in America, he has a, he was in the Inc. 25 fastest growing companies. So very switched on dude. You know, older than myself. So he'd been around the bush a few times. And he said to me, he goes, Brett, unleashing your greatness is allowing your full potential to shine. And if you know that you should be doing something and you feel strongly about it, you need to do it. It's okay if in six months, 12 months, you decide to change your mind. Mm-hmm. And at that moment, like that broke the belief of when I was a, going back to high school and I got kicked out where my mum said I'd come home crying from my apprenticeship like in the first few weeks I said I don't want to do this I don't want to do this and she goes son stick to it see it through mm-hmm. it'll be it'll be something good that you can fall back on mm-hmm. and I carried that through a lot of my life where I held on to so many different products or businesses for too long when it's okay just to cut the dead weight back to your point so about sometimes it's best just to consolidate mm-hmm. And someone like myself, I need to revisit that every six months. Okay. Yeah, I can't go, let's do a two-year and then reconsolidate. It's like, no, I need to think about this every six months and, and bring balance back to you know, whatever balance means to, to the person at the time. You know, my balance is certainly a lot different than, than many people's balance, but it was just being true to myself and knowing that I am putting in my best and I'm allowing to use my abilities, my unique abilities every single day to make a bigger impact. This is fantastic. I'm I'm really glad that you kind of started to uh, go over all of the 
I guess, achievements or all the things that you've been involved in because it's something I definitely wanted to point out. And we got there. Um, you ended up building one of the fastest growing fitness franchises. You moved into, obviously, um, personal growth and, and speaking and business coaching and all these sorts of things. And then you evolved even further to provide um, top-level performance growth within uh, a digital media agency, which is obviously what you run now, Claxon. And, and we obviously um, would refer work to you at any moment that we could. Um, what I want to know is more about maybe the business coaching side of things. Mm. When you go into one of your events and you have a whole bunch of people sitting in front of you, all wanting and expecting different things from you, what sort of the what sort of the, the steps that you go through and what are you trying to sort of pass on to all of these people in the audience? Yeah, mate, I love that one. Because when I first started speaking, I thought I had to give everyone what they wanted, which was the tactic, the this, I want the hack, right? It was the hack, the tip, the strategy, the tactic. Those words were getting thrown around. But then I realized I don't need to give them what they want. I need to give them what they need, mm-hmm. Right. And having grown, and, and this is this is where you can't hide from it, you know, where unfortunately at the moment there's a lot of people out there masquerading as coaches and they actually haven't gone through the journey because as you said earlier, it's it's about going through the journey where you truly understand the, the variables and the nuances that matter. Mm-hmm. Anyone can go to a seminar and learn some marketing and learn some sales strategies and so forth, but that doesn't teach you how to build a business. So for me, I think, People are in their true Paris. Like if you go to a doctor and you go, doctor, I've got a headache, prescribe me some XYZ pills. If that doctor goes, sure, fucking run for the hill, throw those pills away and go, what the heck just happened, right? They're the professional. (coughs) So when I'm speaking from stage or when I'm delivering something, I believe 100% true in what I'm discussing and talking about and sharing because it comes from a place of truth and actual happening. So I can only speak from my personal experience. And I always say this to people as well. It's like, don't just listen to me. Hear what I've said. Now go and touch the electric fence, mm-hmm. right? Like I've told you not to do it. Go and experience it and then you can realize that, oh, maybe that lesson was real. So, um, and this comes back to marketing. So whenever I was, I was marketing my events, um, and this was for a company called Authority Academy, and it was in line with the Unleash Your Greatness where I was actually teaching people how to actually create a business and make money doing the thing you love and sharing your passion and so on and so forth. It was the, I was drawing people in, let's call it the marketing hook. I was giving them what they wanted in the marketing. And, but when they were there, they walked, walked away of their head exploded, mm-hmm. right? Going, geez, I thought I was coming for some marketing and some lead gen, but now I've just uncovered that I'm in the wrong industry and I'm in the wrong business and I'm doing the wrong fucking thing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not there to empower people to become better at something they don't want to do mm-hmm. i'd rather stand there for 60 minutes or an entire day or three days depending on the event we ran and have you walking up after and go oh my god i don't know what to do anymore and i'm like yes that's exactly what we needed from this so self-reflection is obviously a big or self-assessment is a big part of the discussions that you have with your audience it's huge it's and and i can do that in such a way and it, it took me a while to, to really figure it out and master it in this aspect where it's it's about how do you get from A to B or how do you get from A to Z without having to go through B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J all the way through. It's like what shortcuts can I give you? And 
even to the point where like when i'm talking about building a business it's like i talk about concepts like building a movement right like most people don't even under like if you hear a movement you understand oh yeah i sort of get what a movement is but do you really get what a movement is like at the deeper levels i talk about the vision the mission your values like again which is starting to be a lot hypier now you know because it's the sort of buzz conversation but if i spend 20 minutes with you 30 minutes 60 minutes on you know your values as a person as a human being and do they align up with this particular business model or this thing that you're doing all of a sudden you might find that the family business is the worst thing for you to be doing right now Mm -hmm. you might find that this new supplement range is only a thing you're doing because you can do it Mm -hmm. not because you should be doing it Mm -hmm. so spending time up front on that and really digging deep on who your customer is you know the journey and so on and so forth you'll quickly realize whether or not this is the right business for you Mm -hmm. and it's okay to change though like the beautiful thing about what we where we live today is we can go and all start a new business tomorrow and we'll be fine mm-hmm. right which that's sort of really exciting to me like there's a there's an evil part inside of me that almost wishes that everything got taken away from me so I can start again mm-hmm. which is a sick thing to think about but only purely from the excitement level of ooh mm-hmm. okay now I'm up against everything mm-hmm. right and again it's just that personal test but then Instead of that, I, I take that sort of energy and I go, okay, imagine every day is the first day in your in your business now, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I know um, for me personally, hearing a lot of the stuff you, you talked about and where you came from, um, I, I have this chat with Miles a lot of the time that I think to be a good business owner um, and, and an entrepreneur or to be good at anything, to be honest, you have to be a competitor. I find that I don't think you can just be born. You could have an aspect of being born a competitor, but at the same time, it's bred into you from Mm. hardship. It can be bred into you from going up against something and overcoming it and really enjoying that and then wanting to do it again and again and again until before you know it. Like you said, you almost want something to go against you, to problem solve it, to fix it, to go hard again. And when it happens, that feeling of reward is so great so your story can be similar to miles's story growing up and there can be some aspects relating to me growing up and anytime we have people that we chat on this you find there's often those aspects Mm. that are there so when people and i'll be the first to say when it comes to business coaching and things like that i've never gravitated towards it maybe because i almost had that problem solving mechanism in my brain like if i'm having an issue Mm. i want to problem solve it myself like i I just naturally kind of think think like that so i often when people go to business coaches similar to what you said before they're often going there for a hack for Mm. a quick Mm. fix and Mm. they're being advertised that hey you want to make a lot of money see me hey you want to do this see me i'm just like that person that's like stepping into that realm and this isn't shooting at you but someone that's stepping in there i often think's almost already defeated mm-hmm. like they're, they're because they're looking at something and looking for the hack rather than looking at sometimes something. people don't know what they're even looking for bro they're, they're walking yeah. in with a flag going help yeah. like i don't know what to do so there are sponges for sure and, and those people i completely under mm. i completely understand it and you you're seeing all these people in different walks of life some people have already made it some people are right there Mm. and just saying hey i want to tweak 
something. Yeah. Some people are literally just wanting a quick fix right now. Yeah. Tell me what to do so I can make $5 million. And you're looking at those people going, there is no, this is it. Mm. This is this magic potion that's going to make you do that. How do you deal with, obviously, people at all these multiple phases? Because I, I imagine you're talking to multiple people mm. at once, so there can never be one mm. message that's going to obviously go across to each person, but you're there to help yep. all these people at the same time. Yeah, great point. The When you're speaking one to many, and, and, and this goes back to you know your, your thing around you don't really feel like you need a coach because you can problem solve yourself. <clears throat> That's exactly why you need a coach, right? It's exactly why I need a coach. But we need to d- distinguish what coach means. So there are a lot of events and you can go to an event where, you know, I'm speaking to hundreds of people at, this, at the same time. The people in the audience need to take personal responsibility to know that you're not going to have your life changed or flipped upside down. Other than you know, hearing certain things and going, oh, that's changed my paradigm the way I think. But that's not going to help you grow your business. Mm-hmm. What's ultimately, and, and, and this is where I think is, is really important, that as business owners and depending on what level you're at, for some people entering into a coaching program, a group coaching program is the best thing for them right now because they just need to be around other business owners and get to sort of have that entrepreneurial, oh, I get it. Yeah, you get it. You understand me because... You know, being an entrepreneur can be fucking very lonely if you don't have a network of other people that you can hang <laughs> hang out with and talk about. And, you know, we're talking miles. Like, how's everything going? Yeah, full steam ahead. fucking crazy. Busiest couple of months of your life. Like, I get it, man. I know that. So it's it's relatable and we can have that conversation where if you're talking to, to Bob down at the local fish and chip shop, he's like, oh, geez, he doesn't understand that, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so finding out what we need most right now and for you guys where you're at and and if i'm just gonna throw a diagnosis out there right now you guys don't need a coach you guys need like an advisor you need someone that like a mentor that you can when you have those oh i know how to solve the problem like i found it quite hard too because i was like well i i have an answer for every every question right so i assume i've got a solution for every problem but it doesn't mean that's the best solution. It doesn't mean that's a solution that I should roll with now because I'm a, I can only see what I can see. Mm-hmm. An advisor who gets you and understands you. And the thing with that is why most people don't have advisors is because the cost is, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a huge, well, for sure, let me just cross that out, sorry. The investment for that is, is a lot larger, right? It's not a couple of thousand. You're spending a few thousand bucks a month and probably maybe some equity in your business if they're any, mm-hmm. if they're any good, yeah. right? But you've got to look at what the advantage of that could be mm-hmm. where you're going to fast track. So when I started our franchise, I actually hired um, the CEO of Harcourts. Mm-hmm. I paid him a shit ton of money to advise me on the initial, what can I not see right now? Which was basically everything, mm-hmm. right? Because I was fresh. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So you've got to find people who can be in your corner. Not where you can turn up once every three months and get some coaching or, you know, not where it's a scheduled phone call every week or every month because we don't have fucking time for that, right? Mm-hmm. We need to be able to go, man, you're on voice dial? Cool. I need to give you a call t- tomorrow. I need to give you a call quickly or you just give them a call. Mm-hmm. I think I think if um, people painted that picture a bit better, there'd probably be less um, smoke and mirrors around yeah. what, what, like business coaching can be about because i've seen some people get fleeced 
I think fully. that's I think that's on them too, though. Yeah. Hey, it's just like they feel like going to that business coach is the output, but it's not. They feel like they have a sense of fulfillment from going to that event and watching Gary V talk, but then not executing on yeah. anything he said. So you're not actually getting any value from from that. Um, and the real trick and the other sort of vortex that we can go down into from this is actual output. But what I love about what you're saying is you're going back to that instead of going A, B, C, D, you're going A, A to Z because you're hiring a business coach who hopefully knows more than you and has made the mistakes that you don't need to make because they're giving you that advice. Mm. Something Sel and I are really good at is working independently on our own. We've got each, each other to bounce off and we're big problem solvers and we're happy to make the decisions ourselves. Um, but a lot of the time it might not be the right decision, but we make the mistake, we adjust and we keep moving forward. But maybe we didn't have to make that mistake. Yeah. And I think that's what you're sort of alluding to. Mate, and I, I love that point because this, uh, this is going around a lot right now. So you just fail forward, make the mistake, make the mistake. I'm all for making mistakes, but guess what? I'd rather fucking not make them. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't actually have to make all the mistakes, Right. I didn't have to touch that electric fence to realize the electric fence, really. Mm-hmm. You know, if someone had told me and showed me and I could have watched a video on someone touching the electric fence, i go, oh, fuck, that didn't look like fun. Mm-hmm. Okay, I better not touch it. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So there's always a way around something. So I've actually, I'm in a similar boat where I, I, I also love teaching and I also love sharing my experiences and whatever knowledge I have with others to help them progress as well. And I know that Cell feels the same way. But... I guess, you know, us as humans always have our insecurities and, and, and how did you move past the insecurity to say, I am in a position to coach? Was it, I made $10 million and now I feel successful yeah. enough to be able to coach others? Yeah. And then the second question is, um, like Sol mentioned, you have a range of people within this audience. Do you feel like you need to be more quote unquote successful in business than everyone there or do you feel like you can also work with people who may have more financial yeah. success doesn't mean they have the, the emotional success but um so two kind of questions I think you- the first one if we look at that because i've had this conversation a lot because it's it's intrigued me because i was in the industry and for a part there I, I felt like i was enabling a lot of these fake experts because mm-hmm. people would come to my event and literally a week later, they're starting a coaching business, <laughs> coaching the shit that I've just basically taught. I'm like, oh, really? Like, okay. And I had to look at that and take some responsibility around that and go, mm, okay. Because I, I, I was, again, in another conversation I had, I do a lot of self-reflection around this stuff. I was talking with, with um, another friend, and he's a, he has a coaching company, successful coaching company, and we're like, man, I, I lose sleep at night when clients aren't getting results. Like, and and I'm only limited so much by sharing what I give, you know, and I'm always a, a real big giver, you know. I'll, I'll over-deliver. Probably sometimes at the very start, I was over-delivering way too much, which was creating overwhelm, which you can learn from your mistakes. But I, I felt like I'm doing a disservice to certain people because I'm not, I know the best thing for them right now is for me to do it, right? me to actually run or create or whatever it was because I'd done it and I was like, I know how to do it. I should just do it. It's the wrong thing to do. I wasn't, in, I was enabling people to, to do nothing and making way more work for myself. So I got to a point where I had to, again, recheck on myself and go, well, as long as everyone who, innate, who, who comes into my services or comes to my events knows that, 
This is just a starting. This is a gateway into so much more. And it was just the way in which I reframed myself going, look, this isn't going to help you grow your business to where you want it to be. This is a starter. This is a, the way in which you change the way you look and think and feel about your business. That made it a lot better for me. And it, it set a platform for people to go, oh, I'm not hiring Brett for the golden nugget. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be in your business every day working with you because the program is X. And that goes back to the people who are investing need to take personal responsibility for what they really think they're going to get from some coaching program, whatever that may look like, you know. But to your your second point of, you know, did I have to certain, did I have to reach a certain level before I thought, yes, now I can teach? It had nothing to do with revenue. It had everything to do with, so because everything I've done, I haven't just created it because I think there's a need for it. I've created it because I know 1 billion percent there's a need for it because people are asking me. Mm-hmm. You know, the reason why we haven't done any of our own marketing per se for Klaxon right now in the, the first two years is we just got clients coming to us because mm-hmm. of the hard yards that I'd put into the industry you know, many, many years before. Klaxon wasn't created because I'm like, oh, I wonder if businesses will need help. No, they were knocking down my door for like 18 months. Right, my coaching company. I only created that because they were knocking down my door. How'd you build your business? How'd you build your franchise? How'd you build your fitness college, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera, right? Mm-hmm. I want to know that. Um, so, I've always stayed within my lane of teaching because when you're actually a, a, like at the core of it, I think at the nucleus, I am a teacher, and I even to the point where I, this is sort of the telltale sign if if you know you're a, you're a teacher or not. I'll read a a book. And I'll want to run a seminar on it. <laughs> like I'll read a book and go, I need to teach this to people. Mm-hmm. And all I've read is the book. So that's the start. doesn't mean I'm going to go and create a seminar around it, but that just tells me that I am at the heart of it. I want to share. I want to share. I just want to keep sharing with others. But I feel you have to share, and especially when there's a monetary exchange. Like when there's a monetary exchange, you need to be 100% confident in what you're teaching and know to be true. Mm-hmm. Not know to be true because you heard you know bob jones talk about it or you read it in a book or you've seen it at a seminar you know to be true because you've personally experienced that or you've helped other people go through that that's a this leads um perfectly to to the next point because um the industry for those that haven't picked this up they may have read the intro they may have not but you own a really successful marketing agency on the Gold Coast that specialises in Facebook advertising called Claxon. And um, we obviously have worked together on different things and different projects and everything along those lines. And in an industry, we're in the same industry as well, where Miles kind of said it before, where you need to set people's expectations around everything in this Mm. world, but also around the aspect of we're here to help give you guys the tools to really expand your business, expand sales, reach more people. Um, There's a lot of that. But there's also the aspect of no matter what you say to people, they kind of view, I'm coming to see you to be my golden ticket to Mm. this Willy Wonka chocolate factory Mm. of everything that is great and everything that is there. And I know you guys are obviously very good at what you do in getting clients' results, but... Certain people don't want to work hard, obviously, for those results. So you'll go in there and I'm sure you'll set an expectation that we have delivered these results for these people and we do a really good job at it. 
how do you prep someone um, in this digital world to say mm. you still need to do the hard yards? We're, we're here to sure. deliver you systematic results through our mm-hmm. services, through our systems, through Facebook advertising and everything else. But they just go, cool. Once, now, once the leads come through, you still need to answer the phone exactly. and call you, the phone. You, and yeah. you, you need to still be hustling mm-hmm. just as hard, if not harder, now that you're paying your yep. klaxon for a service to generate leads or to yep. do whatever it is that you've been engaged upon. Do you set expectations straight up or do you coach them as you probably would through other things? Yeah, so there's a number of things. First of all, um, just to... To give a bit of clarity, Claxon's a digital growth agency yep. and we specialize in all things paid advertising. So Facebook, Google, LinkedIn, Snapchat, yep. anywhere where you can spend money, where you can have your message seen, That's we're all about that. Um, just in case anyone thought we're just a Facebook advertising yep. agency. <laughs> um, so yes, we set, and, and a lot of in my conversations, I almost do the reverse. I'm like, here's the reality of what's going to happen. All right, if you engage with us, one of two things will happen. One, by attaching this turbo booster to your business, it's either going to grow exponentially and it's going to be happy days and everything's amazing. Or two, we're going to attach this turbo boost to your business and we're going to quickly know whether or not your product, your positioning, your business is shit or not. Right? Because there are so many businesses out there right now that are idling along and they'll only ever do good at an idle. As soon as you add some acceleration to it, it's going to cause cracks and shit will happen, right? Or they'll wake up and realize, oh my God, my business is actually not good, right? And I don't want to be the bearer of bad news here, but this is the reality, right? Like the amount of times I see, like why do you think most business owners don't do their finances and taxes? Because they don't want to know. Because they're sort of like scared, oh geez, if it's not as good as I think, then I think I'm failing and this and that. It's like, Businesses are out there just idling along. When you attach a digital growth agency like ourselves, um, when you attach Klaxon to it, you'll know either your product or service is great or you it's terrible. It's just like attaching a NOS canister to a you know Toyota bloody Hilux, mm-hmm. right? If it ain't built for it, then it's not gonna it's not gonna work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so setting those expectations up front and going, look, we can't guarantee we're not the magic you know, the, the magic answer to everything. And that's sort of right now, and the reason why we're having these conversations is the industry itself that we're in, it's still fresh, mm-hmm. right? I, I use the analogy that, um, you know, we are currently, the industry is cake batter, right? We're, we're just the batter right now. The batter hasn't even put in the oven. It hasn't even started to cook and it hasn't set yet. The reason why you see conversations around how do I do Facebook ads, how do I do this online is because everyone's out there still trying to figure this shit out. Mm -hmm. You don't see anyone on Facebook go, what should I put in the W-2 field for wages and salaries in our um, bass returns? Because there's a solidified industry. Accounting is an industry. You just pay your accountant. You don't expect super miracles. You get what you can from it. They do their best, hopefully, but people come from a marketing perspective. They come to us, and even to you guys, I could imagine you're just like, I just spent this many thousands on a on a video. It looks great, but it's not doing anything for our business. It's like, fucking hell. Like, it's one little piece of your entire puzzle. Mm-hmm. Digital growth agency, we are an extension to their marketing. Mm-hmm. 
one pillar of their marketing. There's multiple other pillars within inside a business from a marketing perspective. We, and we make it clear, we, we only work in the performance-based arena. Yeah. You know, we're not here to organic. You know, we're not here about likes and shares. Whilst that's good and it can help brand, etc. that's not a focus, you know. Yeah. So you can't just pay someone and expect to, because I'm paying this per month, I, get, I should get this result. It's like you can either go and hire an internal team. You're going to need at least two or three people. You're going to need a creative, a copywriter, and a you know an ads technician, someone who actually knows the platforms, not just one platform, mm-hmm. right? You can go and pay $250,000 salaries mm-hmm. and still be in the same boat of, shit, yep. this doesn't work. How do we, how do we fix it? Yep. Yeah, man. You know? The question that I have more so as a, like, how, how do you guys navigate this is, you probably come across a lot of people that have a lot of shit products <laughs> or a service that really isn't going to cut it. And mm-hmm. in your gut, because you've been around this game for forever and a day, you know in your gut because you've done it and you've seen good, you've seen bad, you've seen in between. Mm. And they've come to you with hand and heart going this is my business. It's great. It's going to be the next big thing. It's going to be this. And you instantly, you can see like into the future because you've seen these steps occur before because you almost can Mm. play that role out yourself, but you want to help them. But at the same time, sometimes the best help is to say, Hey, it ain't any good. Like Mm. let's, let's be honest. What you're about to try and put out there, the world doesn't need. Mm. It isn't quite up to scratch. It isn't going to hit the mark. How do you guys say that? Or yeah. how, how do you even go about yeah. the process of just like calling a spade a spade? Full transparency, man. Like uh, there was one example where there was someone who they were doing a million dollars a month in sales, e-commerce, selling pet products online, doing a million dollars um, a month. And I, once I worked through and looked at the numbers and, you know, they've got a 10% margin. I'm like, whoo, 10% margin on like a $20 product. You need to sell it for like, t- you know, two bucks. It's like... There's no way we're going to be able to attach paid social to this and you make money. Mm -hmm. Like the only way it would probably work based off what I feel is we need to be spending, you know, millions a month so we can, so we can make 10 cents per product. Do you know what I mean? Like that's the, sometimes the only way that some business models will work is that massive scale. Mm -hmm. Um, There's been a number of times, a couple of times where I've, I've had conversations with people and they're like, look, um, We've just spent X amount of money, and this is the unfortunate thing. Entrepreneurs have an idea, and they're like, oh, let's go and create and build the product. And they just go and spend $60,000, $100,000 worth of product costs, and now they've got all these products sitting in their garage. Now they're like, cool, now let's sell them. Yep. And it's like, um, the chances of you selling this for the price point that you need it to make is, is going to be very, very slim. Mm-hmm. You know, so we're always definitely up front and I'll say, look, we do not believe we can win. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the only things I'll ever say is I'll say, I believe that based off your product, based off your suit, based off everything you're telling us to be true, I feel that we have a very, very high chance of winning. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean we're going to though, right? We're not going to win for 15% of our clients. That's just, un- that's the, and that's really good results. Mm-hmm. You know, in majority of agencies, I think it's like 60%, mm-hmm. um, so a 40% win rate for most agencies. So we have a very high win rate, but it doesn't mean we're going to win for everyone. We're not magic, mm-hmm. right? We can we can implement the best strategy, the best thoughts, the best um, process around it, but it doesn't mean we're going to win. So where we can start to win though is by identifying those things up front and going, mm, I don't think this is going to work, 
I had one lady say, look, either I'm going to waste the money myself and hire someone internally and do this, or you're going to do it and we're going to find out. Mm-hmm. Happy to engage in that if that's something that someone's fully trained and, and understands and knows. Mm-hmm. But we have had to turn, we've had to turn away a number of people because it's like, I just don't think that we can win on this. Mm-hmm. You know, your product is not built, your positioning of your product, you need to go and do an entire new rebrand. Mm-hmm. You need an entire new website. Mm-hmm. You know, you need to get better margins. You, you're better off now focusing on the, um, how do you reduce costs of, of creation of your product before you come and see yeah. us. Really amazing points. And it's sort of a segue into um, a point that I wanted to make um, that you brought up way back at the start and I've just been waiting sort of for a, a perfect segue and it hasn't quite been there, but I, I, it's been on the back of my tongue. And one thing that you said, which I really liked and related to was um, you went straight to, to Baz because he was the best mm. at, at, at making cabinets and you watched what he did and that was what helped you fast track or know what the best was and so that lifted your standard from the start. What's one thing when it comes to creating businesses, which I've always had in my mind, which is similar to you, is we're creating a business. It might be a supplement range. Let's look at what the absolute best dudes are doing right now. Yes, we might not have the same resources as these people, but we're going to try our absolute hardest with the resources that we have to match and if not do better than what they're doing. Is that that kind of, you know, the same train of thought that you have when you're starting a business say for example Claxon as an agency did you look at what some of the biggest agencies were doing and you're like cool we need to be able to do better than that no i didn't cool i, I um yeah so the point though of you know i want to learn from baz i i always do generally actually let me change it i don't i'm, I'm a stickler to language more than not i'll go and seek who's winning who's doing it best Mm -hmm. and so on and so forth and you know success leaves clues right you can model success Mm -hmm. one thing i'll always say is you don't know what's under the hood of a specific business so whilst it might look amazing online doesn't mean it is you know at the back end of the business doesn't mean they're making money you don't know if they've got five percent margin or fifty percent margin on a product yep and you don't know like for example right now there's this hysteria around Gary V and saying he, you need to create a hundred pieces of content a day. Yep. All right. First of all, that's all well and good if you've got a team of thirty people building and creating. I've heard him. I've heard him, and this isn't a you know an attack to him, but I've heard people ask him, going, "Oh, how many in your team?" And he sort of always diverts the question. He doesn't go, "Oh, I've got eight creators. I've got you know ten people a day editing videos for me." So you've got to look at it realistically because there's people going to these events, listening to him speak, and don't get me wrong, amazing business dude, some you know mind-blowing content that he does produce, but comes back to personal responsibility. Us as business owners and as people need to look at that and go, okay, wait on a minute. He's saying create 100 pieces of content. Um, why don't I start with one or why don't I start with one a week mm-hmm. You know, within your capabilities? Because all of a sudden people are like stressing out going, I'm not getting the hundreds. Like, yeah, because you don't have a team of 30 people in your team. Like he has a team of 30 plus people in his personal brand. So you can produce that, right? So you've got to be realistic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure what the original question was. <laughs> I, I like what you're alluding to and I like that um, – and I guess it depends on how you read the question that I asked um, – 
I think it's a good start to look at what the biggest businesses are doing and similar to oh, looking yeah, at looking at a Facebook funnel and funnel yep. hacking it and yep. seeing what they do. And you might not be able to do the things that are within, yep. you know, a successful Facebook ad funnel, for yep. example, um, creating some high level quality content because it's too expensive. But at least it gives you a bit of a framework and no longer are you asking, what do I do? You're already looking at what sure. these people do and and going back to whatever your resources are and whatever you can achieve that's achievable, yep. you'll attack that. But at least there is some yeah. sort of a roadmap. Well, look, t- to your point, there, there is a, a number of things that I always generally do. And when you, because I guess your, your original end of that question was with Klaxon, did we go and, did I go it, and that was, yeah, yeah. Not so much with Klaxon, funnily enough. Yep. It was, because we're still cake batter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're still all trying to create our own cake batter and our own ingredients. So you can take bits and pieces. And, and I'd be silly to say I didn't look at some things. Yeah. Um, but nowhere near to the degree of when I launched my first ever online product. So we launched an online product. At the time, there was another guy starting in the industry um, who just did a $400,000 product launch. Um, and he did it using a two-week um, you know, funnel, oh, a two-week pre-launch process. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, geez, I've got to look at that two-week launch. But I, I, I was a part of his funnel. I kept every email. I looked at it. I'm like, okay, yeah, I dissected it. I looked at it. I'm like, okay, I like that. I see why he's doing that. So I probably spent a whole day like reading the emails going, is there a reason for this part? Or, you know, like what's the point? Oh, here there's FAQ component. And then on this day they're doing this and it's that. And I'm like, fuck it. Okay, we can, when we launch our product, bang. Did, did a very, very similar Changed it obviously to suit us. Two week launch process. We did a hundred grand sales in three days with a thirty seven dollar workout program. You know, I was like, "Whoo!" Now I could have sat there and tried to figure that shit out myself, of course. But funnily enough, with Claxon, it's the opposite. I didn't didn't do very, well, didn't do bugger all research, if if any, to be honest. I was just like, because I felt like I'd already had the roadmap in my head for like like I said, eighteen months, because mm-hmm. it was the I'd be in bed at night. Going okay. What would the agency look like? What would it need? How would the organisation, the chart look like? What would who would the team be? What happens when we have ten clients, fifty clients? So I'd already sort of had the roadmap. So when it came time, I was like, Bleh, mm-hmm. here, let's do this. You know, I didn't really have any more brain space to go and mm-hmm. and looking at what we've done over the last two years. Given that it's cake batter, right? If we go back to that, is we've had to change ingredients a fair few times already. Mm-hmm. You know, so I'm I'm more of a believer on putting it out there and developing as you go through. I, I really like this. Yeah. I really like the analogy of cake batter and referring to digital yeah. marketing agencies particularly because you're right. There really isn't, you could say there are some gold standards of agency, but what we're referring to is probably revenue or something along those lines. And um, there really isn't sort of, I refer again to supplements because it's obviously in our world, there really are some gold standard businesses out there that you can model but yeah. it isn't kind of like, even if we've seen other larger agencies as well and, and some of their processes, and we have like way more stringent processes than even they have mm. or things it's that It's surprising how it's, many big businesses are running on a bloody one-page PDF yeah, document, you know, like, true. whoa. Yeah. For sure. Which is exciting though because it, it means you're, you're, yeah. you're way ahead of the pack. Yeah. Man, I think that's also a good thing in terms of, I think a lot of people, individuals and businesses put other businesses on this massive pedestal yep. yeah, to almost massively. feel like oh that's unachievable yep. they've got a hundred staff and they've got this office somewhere and like you said when you meet them and you go through the process and you look at it like you say you go 
that's one page. And I've been doing this for forever, but in my head I yeah. created this concept that this was untouchable because yeah. visually, and like you said before, it looks really, really good online and it looks really, really good just through an Instagram feed and all these other bits mm. and pieces, but it may not necessarily actually be how it's portrayed. Yeah. So I think people doubt themselves yeah. a lot. Like it's easy to look at something because of the world we live in, compare and go, shit, that's too far. Mm. It's untouchable. But everything is reachable. If if in your mind you, you can believe yeah. that you can get there and not, like you said, surrounding yourself with the right people, yeah. um, getting mentors. It doesn't have to be a paid mentor, but... So a friend, someone that's a if you if you, you pay, you pay more attention, man. It's true. I like hands yeah, down. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely the case. The one thing I will also say that some people legit just can't afford it. Of course, like, like it's just the. It's that's just why the I say sometimes you've got to give up a part of your business yeah. if you believe. Like true. One thing yeah. I learned from the very start as well, back to my apprenticeship, was the first day that I was there. Aside from this whole Baz saga, there was a guy. It was his last day. And, I was, and, and my boss goes, oh, he's off to go and start his own joinery factory. I said, oh, really, is he? He goes, yep, he's going to get a fucking big surprise, like costs of equipment and this and that, and then he's going to have to try and win business. And I was like, oh, okay. And he goes, one thing I'll tell you is it's better to be a part of something big than a whole of something very small. Mm-hmm. And this whole thing that as we sort of go through business, and I, I'll speak to myself here, I always had this mindset of, I need to own everything, 100% of it. I'm not giving up anything of it because it's mine, right? And that just comes back to the childhood greed of whenever I got something, I kept it because I didn't get much, you know? So I was like, I'm not sure why the fuck would I share this? Like, this is mine. Even where, like at at school where I'd buy a pie and I'd finally have some money to go and buy a pie and my friends would ask for a bite. I'm like, fuck. (laughs) You know, like, you want a bite of my pie? Dude, there's only like 20 bites in this and I'm going to give up two of them then you're going to get one. I'm going to be like left with... 14 bites in my pot like to that that sort of mentality right and we we carry a lot of these beliefs with us through our entire life and it's the the 16 year old the 14 year old in us who's running our business most of the time so you need to step out of that and go where's this coming from right and and check in with yourself you know because without it you're going to be bloody making some some pretty bad decisions Mm -hmm. you know you said something a little bit earlier that i wanted to jump onto Um, what were you talking about just before that question there's been a lot of questions. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember which, yeah. at which directly um, before, yeah, yeah, at which um, step point because obviously I, asked I felt you, like it was going to be the best part of the podcast oh. as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just riff, so it's hard to remember yeah, exactly no, is, exactly where things are at. But the question before that was around yeah, modeling like, success. Still, yeah. like, I want to finish on. I want to add another point to that because. Yeah. Um, it's not just about what you can see within your industry. That's the problem. You need to look outside of your industry and look at other industries. Mm-hmm. So we just re- I've got another company um, where we build mobile apps and we just launched an app recently. And the way in which we're getting it to go viral and, and shareworthy is we just followed Uber's model. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like get a friend to sign up, get $20, etc., etc. get a free ride, you get that. I was like, great idea that's worked over multiple industries. You know, worked on Dropbox, Worked on uh, PayPal when it first came out. PayPal was like giving you money to actually refer people to sign up. Spotify, Skillshare, yeah. everything. So it's like, okay, well, I'd be stupid to try and come up with something brand new. It's like, how can I take that from that industry and, and turn it into you know something that can work within our own industry? So 
whilst I, and I've had time to think from your question, is I wasn't looking at other agencies because there was no real solidified agencies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's definitely no digital growth agencies now with what we're doing. Like mm-hmm. we're, we are in a lane of our own mm-hmm. where we offer, you know, um, everything from social advertising to search to programmatic now to, to deep data analysts, you know. Um, so w- we've created our own cake. Mm-hmm. When you create your own cake, you can't be copied, mm-hmm. right? So, um, but where we got a lot of the methodology potentially from is one, a collection of our own thoughts over time. You know, I, I don't even know if any idea we have is unique mm-hmm. in this day and age. You know, we might have caught something 10 years ago. And we're like, oh, yeah, that piece clicks with this piece and that piece. Oh, I've got a good idea. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, well, someone else is probably doing it. But that's cool. Yeah. So modeling success from external industries is – and if, if your business is struggling right now, anyone listening, it's like don't just look within your competitors. Go and, go and research some of the best businesses. Don't just go and app- – you know, research Amazon and Apple, the, the winning businesses, mm-hmm. right, that are so far out of our echelon right now that we can't even fathom it. Go and look at other businesses who are doing well in different industries. Mm-hmm. You'll learn a lot from it. 100%. Very true, man. Man, you left, you've left us with some gold so far, but what we like to do at the end is obviously get that one concept, that one quote, that one thing that you live by or you want to share with the audience to help them unleash their greatness. Do you have anything for the, for the audience? What, some final words? I did write a book called Right Now, mm-hmm. Why Not You and Why Not Now. And I think there's no better place to finish than that. It's don't wait for tomorrow, don't wait for next week. You know, right now is the best time to make the moves. And um, you know, ask yourself, why not you? you know, why not you and why don't you do it right now? And if you can't bring a good enough counter argument that you can get away with yourself, because you know when you're lying to yourself, you know, you can you can sniff your own bullshit pretty quickly. So if you can't come up with a good answer, like why not you? Because I'm not good enough. Like you know that's bullshit. <laughs> you know why not you and why not now? So I'll I'll leave everyone with that. Awesome, bro. Love it. Then next time we'll be on what's the what's going to be the name of the podcast? Uh, you guys are going to come on the Brett Campbell show. The Brett Campbell yes, show. Yes, reporting from Gold Coast, no. <laughs> and we have to talk like that. Like we're on the radio. We're yeah. just jockeys. Man. Looking forward to it. That's I'm it. looking forward to the persistenceness of you guys. <laughs> We're, That's a caveat. I'm going to actually. I'm going to lay that down in stone. <laughs> I need the persistenceness. All right. It's man. not even a word, but I, ne- I need you guys to to equal. Actually, I'll give you at least if you're within seventy percent of my persistenceness. Bro, that will never. We we, we, just can't, we can't live up to that. We can't, we can't live up to that. So we're probably not going to get on there. Yeah, I know. Sweet. I appreciate the persistence, man. You left us with some gold, so thank you for that. No pleasure, and uh, to anyone listening. Hopefully uh, we've brought some value there. Awesome, man. Thanks a lot, bro.